let's see here. Let's see that this works. <laughs> yeah, technology. Can't live with it. Can't live without it. Telling you, man. People were texting me like, where are you guys? Tell me it's Yeah, me called. too. And I feel like every time I, I log on to Zoom, it was like another update. Yeah. <laughs> is, this, is this is this shared on the oh we're live uh, we're going live now okay is this is this shared under your name uh under the one gospel, oh, yeah, one, gospel. Uh, one gospel page okay yeah, yeah. And i think that if you tag us it'll come up on our pages too because i'm getting a bunch of questions yeah okay i think i'm not sure but we're gonna figure it out don't worry cool all right, all right. i'm ready all right ready ready are you on mute, uh, Ronnie? I'm on mute? Yeah, now we can hear you. Uh, can, you can you hear me, me now? Now we can hear you. All right. All right. Okay. Hold on one second. Thing. Uh-oh. Here we go. Hold on. Going, it's going, it's going. It's thinking. I think we're live. Yeah, we're live on Facebook, I think. Yeah, we're live. All right, cool. I think we are live. Let me check. Technology. Technology. Now let's see here. Yeah, we are live. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, well, well. Welcome everyone. Uh, we are glad you guys um, have joined us um, in this uh, discussion that we're talking about. Um, topic is basically no justice, no peace, how Christians uh, should engage in injustice. Uh, today, I have the pleasure of having two of my brothers in Christ with me. Uh, we're going to be just chopping it up, having a, a gospel, uh, Christ-centered uh, conversation about what we should be doing, as how we should engage in injustice as Christians. Um, I'm going to allow them to introduce themselves um, and then um, we're gonna get um, get um, get into it. Yeah, I guess I'll go first. My name is uh, Rodney Wilson. How y'all doing, Facebook world? Um, my name again is Rodney Wilson. I'm married to the lovely Kaisa Wilson. I have four children, believe it or not. I'm not look way too young to have four kids, but I do. Um, <laughs> and uh, get the pastor, Gospel Fellowship Church. Um, and man, just rock by everything going on in our world, man, and thankful to uh, and humbled to be sitting with these two guys and getting a chance to speak into this. So uh, thankful to be here, man. Yeah, I'm uh, Ronnie Perry. Thankful to be here. Um, pastor of New Song Church, uh, church plant in West Palm Beach, Florida, um, and just honored to um, share this time with, with all of you, with us virtu virtually and also with these two uh, esteemed brothers and Hope this glorify God and it's helpful to each and every one of you. Awesome. And again, uh, my name is Evans um, and um, founder of One Gospel Ministries. And um, 
I am married to a beautiful wife and I have one son. His name is Nehemiah. Uh, glad that, um, that we're able to come together as brothers. Um, last time we got together was back in 2017. I don't know if y'all got, you guys remember back on, we got all three of us got together in July of 2017 yeah. and we did a podcast on urban discipleship. And um, I encourage you guys to go back in. Um, those of you are listening, just go to the podcast, One Gospel Podcast on iTunes or Google Play or Google Podcast and listen to that podcast. Um, it is relevant till to the till to this um, this day. So, um, but I was listening to it the like two days ago, and I was like, wow, if people would listen to this now, it, it's so relevant, brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, glad to have Pastor Rodney and Pastor Ronnie here for for we can discuss what's going on right now in this. Uh, world that we're living in right now. No justice, no peace. Um, um, but uh, Pastor Rodney Wilkinson, uh, man, back in 2016, July 26, you held a co- you hosted a conference. I don't know if you remember that <laughs> uh, event called the Forum, where um, where we, where you address um, racial tension in America from a Christian uh, perspective. Yeah. So, and that was in Boynton Beach High School, where your church now is um, um, meeting now. So, um, but here we are four years later now. Yeah. It, isn't that uh, crazy? Yeah. yeah, man. So, um, but, but it is crazy um, to see how these things go um, develop so far. Um, but today, man, tonight we're going to be looking at several passages, several verses, because we want to have a biblical uh, gospel centered um you know, a conversation on what's going on right now, the no justice, no peace. And um, the way of the Christian is the way of Christ pretty much. And, um, and consequently um, we don't respond to injustice with more injustice. And, um, and, and rioting is not, uh, is not fighting for injustice and um, looting is not fighting for, uh, uh, for, for justice. Um, Assaulting others we know that um, it is pretty much not fighting for injustice. It's not, it's not fighting for uh, justice whatsoever. So we're going to be looking at several passages in the Bible that talks about justice and how us Christians should react um, when we see injustice being done. And when we look at uh, Psalms 85, verse 10 through 11, and it's, it goes like this. It says, faithful love and truth will join together Righteousness and peace will embrace. Truth will spring up from the earth and righteousness will look down from heaven. And I just wanted to see how you guys, um, what, what, what are your thoughts been going on with, um, what's, or your, what's been going through your mind with all this stuff that's going on as we share this passage? Tells us faithful love, man, and truth will join together. Righteousness and peace will embrace. Truth will spring up from the earth and righteousness look down from heaven yeah um i guess i'll start yeah just think about the 2016 when we did that form um that there's a powerful time for me to kind of step into that space but man as you look four years later i mean you asked the question what what growth what impact has been made from that time to this time but man, if you think back in, in the day of Dr. Martin Luther King, and I'm, I'm revisiting a book with some, some members of mine on uh, chaos or community, uh, one of the last books that he wrote, uh, Where Do We Go From Here, Chaos or Community? 
And man, when I read what he wrote in 67, I feel like I'm reading today's newspaper. And it reminds me, man, that the road of, of, of justice and fighting for justice is long. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean we're not seeing uh, incremental steps of progress along the way. It's just that this road is so long, sometimes it's hard for us to see how we're measuring up. But one of the things that work like this encouraged me when we look at righteousness um, and peace kissing together, that there is this hope that God is going to renew all things ultimately in the end, but he's also already right now in the here and now calling his church to be advocates of justice, to demonstrate righteousness and to do it in a way that is peaceful. And so, man, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged by some of the things that I'm seeing. I think I'm more, as I look at our news cycle, I'm more encouraged than, than, than um, discouraged. Um, I'm, I'm thankful that some of the real estate media uh, is finally taking place. So, um, but I'm ultimately encouraged by the clarion call from the Church of Jesus Christ to be salt and light, uh, to be to be active, to be progressive, and 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 living and doing justice in such a way that it, it causes people to ask this question about us: What is motivating you? Right? Mm-hmm. What's what's driving that kind of response uh, against injustice and calling it out, but also working for justice and shalom in our city? So, yeah, that's what that's what comes to mind. Amen, brother. Uh, what about you, Pastor Rod, um, Ronnie? Yeah, thank you. And I got my technology working now, but um, <laughs> I think that's a great passage because, you know, I think when you start um, thinking about justice, which is a passionate cry, even culturally, is that um, in both Hebrew and Greek, the words we translate both justice and righteousness are the same word. And so there's a relationship between justice and righteousness. And and what we really got to realize is that justice is an attribute of God. It God by his nature is just. And so you can't have justice outside of God. And if God truly gave full justice on earth, we all would die. Mm. You know, so the only way we can even hope for justice without being afraid of being condemned ourselves is the cross and the greatest injustice in history, which was, you know, the God man, the, the sinless one, Jesus Christ coming under the the most brutal death of the greatest empire the world had known to that time. And so so really we have to be careful when we're passionate for justice because if God truly executed justice outside of the reality of the cross, uh, it would be like a Noah's flood type of justice, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that um you know and, and and it goes back to when when I, when I say is that you know the way of the Christians is the way of Christ and um I believe you know what happened when when we're talking about justice um I I feel like you know it's us Christians to be at the forefront of all these protesting that's been going on um and, and so on like that pastor Ronnie you led a protest in Boynton Beach um and um uh, you know, tell us your experience about that, man. Um, um, how did that go about doing it? And, you know, what was the reaction to the people to seeing Christians actually in the forefront and in, uh, in your city in Boynton Beach? Oh, okay. You're on mute. Gotcha. It was a collaborative effort uh, with just several clergy in Boynton Beach, you know, encourage 
that we got clergy from, from different races and backgrounds and different parts of Boynton Beach coming together, doing it together. Um, it, was, it, was, it was powerful to see. We actually ended up blocking off Seacrest uh, Avenue to where there was no traffic going through at any point. And it was powerful to see people come together, man, broken together. One of the things, this, this, this uh, protest a little bit different, we, we focused on racial trauma. So we had a mental health professional out there speaking into that, trying to give people various avenues to deal with, or at least acknowledge the fact that they may be experiencing some racial trauma. Um, and so, man, no, it was, it, was, it was a powerful time. It was a powerful time. Yet, um, one of the questions that we, that I think the whole world is asking, right? Um, it's been, what do we do next? What do we do next? Yeah. And I think, um, I, man, preferably there's some space for us to speak into that uh, tonight. But also remembering before we do something, remembering for the church who we are, right? And that's, I think that's a lot of what we, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing from you uh, tonight, man, that, that we have to remember um, that we have been brought with a price, man that the blood of Jesus Christ has accomplished our righteousness um, for our sins and all of our errors and all that we've done wrong. Christ's blood has redeemed us from the punishment that we should have experienced. So I think re remembering who we are as we move out on this, I think is critical. If not, we're just going to react like any other um, person that is that does not know the Lord Jesus who is seeking this justice who may not understand the full weight of justice like my brother Ronnie just explained. It was a powerful time, it was a beautiful time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um I participated in an um in a um and we got uh civil righteousness on uh Saturday with um um with a group of people um led by uh, uh sister Damaris um Medina and also um a husband um Nestor Medina and um son Thomas Wilson as well too. It was a wonderful experience. Um um, we, we called it a pray test. <laughs> so, um, but it was a great experience. And, um, you know, it's something that, you know, we as Christians need to understand that, man, yes, we understand there's injustice in this world. Injustice started, and the, the, you know, sin has entered the world yeah. since the beginning of time. And, you know, racism always existed. Racism is, is sin, it's hatred. We understand that, you know, um, but, you know, when we look at um, Romans chapter 12, uh, verse, um, I think you want to verse, uh, share verse nine, um, and we'll get into verse nine as well, too, um, and you can share that as well, too, but um, Romans chapter 12, verse 18 through 19, this is what it says, it says, um, if possible, as far as it depends on you, hmm. uh, live at peace with everyone, oh, man. Some people may not like that verse, man. You know, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, live room, leave room for God. Wrath, because it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. And I feel like we're, I feel like, you know, of all the protests that's going on, it's great and everything. But I feel like some certain movements um, that are out there are trying to replace God and trying to take vengeance on themselves. Uh, trying to take vengeance um, instead of allowing God take vengeance. Uh, your thoughts, uh, Pastor Ronnie, and then um, Pastor Rod, uh, Rodney. Oh, man, that stuff's a jump. I think, yeah, I just think um, 
Um, I think I think it's a loaded issue, and I think what happens is we all take sides, and and the problem is, uh, as Dr. Carl Ellis would say, is it's creaturism. He created a term, whether it's race, whether it's personality, whether it's finances or culture, we want to judge others by us. Right. And so I judge everybody's personality by my own, and that by nature makes them inferior because only I can be the best me. You can't be a better me than I can be. And whether it's racism or every or anything, and even how we respond to some of the tensions is we want people to respond in the same way. You know, some of my brothers are very emotive right now yeah. um, over what's happening. And I, I tend to not be as emotive of a person, but what I can't do is discredit them being emotive and emotional um, it, because I'm not as, and they can't me. So I think, you know, before I jump into critique and responses, I think even how we process it and how we perceive the situation uh, comes even before we respond. And so, so I think one, just being able to have sober judgment, regardless of your personality from the word of God, I think the racial tensions aren't anything new. Um, um, George Lloyd got, it, I was horrified, condolences to his loved ones, but like, that's not nothing new. Like, like these are just manifestation of stuff that's been underlying America for as old as it is. Mm-hmm. And so, and so with two emotive and, you know, with justice as it relates to those cases, the only thing we could do is prosecute the offenders, but we can't bring them back. Mm-hmm. And so, and so that's the hard thing because, and that's why I'm trying to be careful and nuanced because we're talking about one concrete situations. We highlight three specific people recently, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and George Lloyd, but what is driving the response is not just those isolated situations, but the historical, the media narrative on all sides. And so I, I don't want to jump into even the critiquing right away because I don't think we're nuanced enough to get there yet. But, um, but, um, but yeah, so um, I think what we really have to do is sober and look and see. And we got to realize there's a difference between justice in a situation. There's a limit to justice this side of heaven. You know, we can put everybody in jail, but it's not going to bring our lost ones back. And then also we got to see that there's a historical issue and that a lot of what we do next is dealing not just with the specific instances, but the historic issues and even how those historic issues have creeped into the church. You know, 11 o'clock Sunday morning is still one of the most segregated times of uh, in the U.S. And so, so anyway, sorry. I don't know if that answered uh-huh. your question. But yeah. I think I started that. Yeah, I think, man, I think, um, I think I am, um, I think I deal with things more emotionally myself, man. And, and kind of when this thing hit, I took four days and just tried to process in my own head what was happening. One of the things we don't do well in situations like this is lament. Which mm-hmm. gives which gives you time to process, which gives the family time to process, which gives room for people that don't process as quickly as we do an opportunity to process. I think I think we don't do that well enough, and so mm-hmm. we rush to post. I think Ronnie's spot on when when judgment <clears throat> it's 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 so nuanced, it's so different. But I think we should take time and make space for people that don't process the way we process or are just not um, as far down the road in issues of race and injustice. Um, it gives them room to find, uh, find where they're going in the run, 
to run at their own pace. So I think I think those things are important as well. So no, I think I think that's good. And yeah. for uh, black brothers and sisters that are ticked off, right? <laughs> I think you can be an authentic believer and and hottest fish grease on this issue. I think we have to make safe spaces uh, for people to have dialogue uh, before they ruin um, all their friendships with people that look different than them or vice versa. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because many times when I'm angry, I'm just, if I'm done, I don't know about y'all, but my congregation with men, it's just like, man, it's heated. Right. And as we pursue a multi-ethnic church, uh, as, as Ronnie related to the 11 11 o'clock hour, so still being the most segregated time of the week. As we pursue that, what does that look like when my emotions are high? Um, and so for those that are more emotive, how are we shepherding and discipling them through that process? One of the things we did uh, last Sunday is we just said, man, I'm going to do 10 minutes from Isaiah 59. Mm-hmm. And then we're just going to use the rest of this time just to process and hear where people are. Um, and so that we can in a way that's fruitful, remind them of the gospel, remind them of a passage like Romans, Romans 12, right? I think, I think those things are, I think those things are important. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, being ordained a majority white denomination, I think every, what I'm amazed at is regardless of what perspective we're from, people can't listen to one another. And because they're so caught up in the news, you know, they, they go right to certain narratives. Like, it's amazing to me, and I say this, and I have to lament, and I have to be slow because when I get emotive, I can consciously destroy a relationship and not yeah. feel bad about it if I get emotive. Right. Like, not ever feel bad about it. I'm not talking about, like, not feel bad about it in the moment. Right. But, like, ever. Right. Like, I'd rather be right than be a friend. But, right. um, but, um, but, but, but also that we can't just listen and in the new shape. It's amazing. How, like, for me as a black guy, and some guys I love, and I'm, like, the one who gets a lot of the offline conversation. It's amazing how many people know, even with this message, they knew what we were going to say just because we put no justice, no peace. Right. It's amazing how many, like, people who never lived in a majority black context that know all the problems that's wrong with a black context. Yeah. Like, I would never speak of white people or white churches with that kind of boldness. Right. Even though I've been in their space a lot more than they've right. been in mine. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why we got to stop the news. The news preys on fear. And whether right or left, I hear so many people manipulated by fear. Mm-hmm. And, and the politicians are just playing with us. I mean, the Democrats wearing... African garb, yeah, I'm gonna go there kneeling. It's just a show. Trump yeah, yeah, yeah. hyping up the Kaepernick thing. It's like just a, it's a shame how how much like that is so disrespectful on both sides that they think we're so dumb. Mm. They just hype us up and yeah. we fall for it every time. They're pulling our emotions like streams, yeah, all sides, and we can't see it. But yeah. sorry, no, you're right on, brother. I mean, um, you know, it's it's it is very. Um, uh, sad to see how things are going. And I think um, we need to go back to the gospel, man. Um, mm-hmm. And when we look at, um, you know, how the church uh, should react to these things, we need to go back to what the gospel say, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think we have forgotten that it is the gospel that brings justice, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, it is God's, it is God that's going to take care of all the in- injustice, 
you know, we can do mm-hmm. all the marching and everything like that, which is great. Uh, yeah. Yes, we ought to be the forefront of everything and, and so on like that as, as a church. Uh, I feel like, you know, um, I think the church, I think there's a wake up call for the church to say, hey, you know what? Get outside your four walls and and, 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 and and start being the forefront in, the, in your community because we, we're trying to, you know, they're afraid. People are afraid to uh, open their um, the church because they don't want new members. You know, and I think, you know, we as a church, we need to be very, very careful when we react to certain things that, as, as George, um, George, what happened to George, what happened to Ahmad, um, what happened to Brianna Taylor and, and, and so on like that. So, um, you know, and, you know, in my, in my, in my thought process, now I'm going to throw a curveball at y'all brothers. Uh-oh. It's like my thought process. What if it had been the other way around? You know, what if it had been. Uh, a black man kneeling on, you know, putting his knee on a neck on a, on a white man. Would we get this uh, as, would, would, would we get that much, um, you know, um, media coverage, you know? Um, and, and, and that's where I look at things. Cause when we, when we think about race, man, uh, God don't look at, at race, you know, we're, we're the ones, we're the ones, you know, race, race, we, are, yes, we're black. You know, we're black brothers. Some are lighter than others. All right, uh, Rodney. <laughs> but uh, but uh, um, but I'm just saying, though, man, you know, what I'm saying is that, you know, instead of us looking at race, let's look at the heart of the person. Yeah. You know, that's what I'm trying to get at. So uh, that's what y'all think about that. Yeah, I think, man, I think I'm, I think we have to be, uh, I think we have to contextualize the gospel to our context. And so I've been hearing that lately about we all are one race. And man, I get it. Theologically, I understand it. But we live in a culture that is very diverse. And I think the danger of saying that is we do that at the exclusion of really addressing learning, growing, and all of the differences that we have in the different races or ethnicities or however we want to phrase that. Um, we, are, we are different, right? And to deny that, it, it allows me to escape from the contextualization that I need to do to make sure I'm taking the gospel and sharing it in a way that's helpful and fruitful. And so when I see historically that African-Americans have been maligned and, and, and discarded and dehumanized, and then I say it's one race, that it almost, it shields, it shields me saying that from having to engage in the clear disparity that African-Americans are, are feeling. And I think if the church does that, what it's communicating to African-Americans is, you still don't see me. And this is not a white church thing. I'm, I'm not necessarily talking to the African-American, I got brothers that African-American friends who, are, who, who attend predominantly white churches and they can have that sentiment as well. But you can be in an African-American church and it be so spiritualized mm. that it, it makes it seem as though the church is not, uh, speaking to, engaging with, drawing attention to 
the plight of the people that are even in their congregation. And so I think when, when I look at Romans 12, 9, it says, let love be genuine, abhorred what is evil, hold fast to what is good. The scriptures are also clearly teaching us to hate evil. Yeah. And, and, and if I hate it, I need to call it out. Um, Philippians 3, Paul has been encouraging people to walk in humility, and then he's, he's encouraging them to rejoice. And then he says, beware of the dogs, beware of the evildoers, beware of those that mutilate the flesh. Paul is calling out them over there that are con acting contrary to the gospel. And so we have to be clear to say, man, what, what, what's happening uh, to minorities blasted over our television, over our social media platforms is a horrific thing. And we need to stop long enough to say that, to at least put a comma on anything else that we need to say so that the people that I'm talking to can hear me. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and they can deal with the seriousness of this, of this sin. That makes yeah. I, I think too, too often we try to reductionize we have a reductionistic understanding of what Christianity or what the gospel is and unclear. And we try to take easy way out. And the colorblind argument is one. Yeah. One, even in heaven, John saw the heavenly church, people from every nation, tribe, and tongue. You're going to be black in heaven if you're black now. Like, I'm going to be light-skinned, though. I'm yeah, a, yeah, and have good hair. The people watching. <laughs> I'm going to look like... Real hard. <laughs> I'm gonna look like Billy Billy D. Williams in my glorified body, but anyway, <laughs> nah. But 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 like those things, language distinctives, they are there even in the kingdom. And and really, when God says man reflects the image of God, no one man, no yeah. one race, no one time in history even could 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 could, could um, reflect all of God. When we say we're united as the church, we're not just united. Like what's living now, we we're united with the guys who were at Pentecost in Acts two. Mm -hmm. We're united with the Coptic Church of the third century. We're yeah. united with the European Church of the Protestant Reformation. Yeah. And so I think, um, and so I think the distinctives. I think the go to colorblind argument. A lot of minorities try to be self righteous in doing that. Yeah, I call that is is an easy way out. Yeah, because I do think there are differences, but God uh, creates those differences. Uh, for us to reflect more of him. And even within, I grew up in the black church and there are differences. I grew up national, the two, two of the bigger one, I grew up National Baptist Convention, which is mostly churches that say missionary Baptist and the church of God in Christ split from them. And the issue was over tongues one, but even yeah. more important than tongues was they thought the church of God in Christ brought in too much African uncivilized elements of mm -hmm. worship into the National Baptist Baptist Church is a book written by on Bishop Mason, the spread of the church that talks about this. I forgot the name, but I could come back and, and uh, reference it on the comments later. But 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 it was like that's too African. We don't want that type right. of worship. We want more mm -hmm. dignified, educated worship. Yeah. So that stuff one, it happens in the black church and black people aren't a monolith. Um, but but yeah, so I think we have to really wrestle through some of these things. And I think in America we want because so much of ministry is emulation that, mm. that, that, that we, we, we miss a lot of originality because we're constantly trained to do so. We're in the franchise era. Like rather than starting the new stuff, I want to have McDonald's all over the country. And if I go to a McDonald's in Florida or California, I kind of know what I'm going to get. 
and that's what we like because we're lazy. <laughs> and I know, or I just want to watch Fox News all the time because if I watch Fox News, I know what perspective I'm going to get. If I watch CNN, I'm trying to equally opportunity call out. So hopefully I'm being balanced. And so, but, but yeah, so I think we do have to wrestle with some of those things and be willing to learn, but we have to be able to dialogue. The problem is we don't know how to progressively move forward and dialogue as the church. I'm not even going to politics or legislation. And I think because we don't have a clear win, that's part of the challenge. See, in the King's generation, the civil rights movement, the clear win was full legislation that gave them full rights to vote without being tricked out of their votes and the end segregation. And now that we kind of got the legislative victory, we're dealing with the subjective. You know, how do I legislate a person who may think black people are, are inferior? I can't prosecute anyone in the court of law for that. You know, so that's where it gets muddy. But I do think it has to be hard work. We have to be thinking generational and not like we're not going to solve the problem in one year and one generation. Yeah. But we, we have to be willing to do the hard work. And I don't think colorblindness is the answer in and of itself to do that personally. But yeah. if we stay segregated, I mean, I go to I'm in the PCA, you know what you're going to get. And if all churches there have the same type of people that are attracted to it, the same categories, like, like it's hard for you to get the fullness of the body. I mean, who says you have to categorize truth, even biblical truth, by this systematic, these systems of systematic theology, these categories, as opposed to those? I mean, the Westminster Confession that was made in the 17th century, and in 17th century England, they felt like this is the greatest way in categories to, 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 to categorize the truth of the reformed faith as they understood it then. And we kind of want to hold it to now, but we have stuff now that they didn't deal with then. How do you steward technology? You know, how do you deal with, even with debates? How do you, how do you worship when the government says you can't gather in person? Okay. And, you know, if this many churches worship online two years ago, we'd be called heretics. <laughs> you know? so, so yeah, so anyway, sorry. Uh, no, nah, you're on it, bro. Uh, you know, um, I said it before, man. I said, you know, I said it before, and I and I'm and I'm very straightforward with it. Is is that I feel like the church is focused more too much on donkeys and elephants instead of the Lamb of God. See, we're mm -hmm. trying to seek justice. The Christian church, the church is trying to seek justice from from a donkey and elephant, but the true justice comes from the Lamb. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that, you know, we're riding on the back of donkeys and elephants. They can't do anything for us. You know, so only the true lamb of God, the lamb of God that can do something for us. You know, and we have we have divided ourselves as a church, unfortunately. And when we're, when we're talking about justice, there needs to be justice in the church. <laughs> you know, but I think we, and need I think we, just right. need, we need a more comprehensive win. So the win right now for, for a lot of Christians is. We got Trump in office, conservative pro-life. He's going to appoint conservative pro-life Supreme Court justice. I'm not saying no value in that. I'm, I'm involved with the AND campaign, so I'm concerned with the Democrats who are not pro-life on abortion. I'm also concerned with the, the Republicans who are not pro-life after they come out the womb as much as I like to be. But, but, but I think the win so often is I want my political ideology, my guy to win. But the problem is like literally the, the ideology, if you will, of the conservative ideology is sitting in the White House, but the hearts of the nation are on to the left. Mm -hmm. I mean, just think our last Democratic president, Barack Obama, some 
would consider in some ways was the most liberal president ever. And now he'd be be the most conservative candidate in this election for the Democratic Party. And and so we're losing, I think, because we're so focused on one, you know, front, one beachhead, to use the World War II analogy, we're conceding these other grounds. And we don't even care so long as we can say we're right in terms of our ideology. And what I mean is young black people, my heart in this is, hear me, I'm, I'm, I'm very much conservative. I'm not, I'm registered independent. I would almost be libertarian, the closest thing. But I know people, I can, I can tell you so many specific names and stories of people, of, of black people I know who are Christian, who either struggle or turn away from the faith because of some of this stuff in the past, you know, eight to 10 years. And yes, I believe politics, I believe ideology is important, but to concede that with people leaving the faith because of a misunderstanding of the Christian faith, I struggle with. Yeah. You know, and so, so, so if they reject biblical Christianity, that's on them. But I think a lot of time what they're rejecting is a more American cultural Christianity and a biblical Christianity and that's what bothers me. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, let's look at um another uh, passage here, man. Um, looking at um, you know, um, Isaiah uh, chapter ten, uh, verse one through three. Isaiah chapter ten, verse one through three. It says, um, "Woe uh, to those who decree iniquitous decrees, and the writers who keep writing oppression." to turn aside the needy from justice and to rob the poor of my people of their right, that widow may be their spoil and that they may make the fatherless their prey. What will you do on the day of punishment in the ruin that will come from afar? To whom will you flee for help and where will you leave your wealth? Um, you know, Prophet Isaiah pretty much saying, woe to those who decree inequities, decrees, and the writers who keep writing oppression. And um, I think um, someone mentioned this, is that um, is history being taught? <laughs> you know, um, are we being oppressed? You know, when it comes to, is there is there an injustice to that? Yeah. Go ahead, brother. Yeah, Pastor Rodney. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, I was I was waiting for a question. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, what's the question you're asking? I was just saying. Do you think there? What are y'all thoughts about that passage right there when it comes relates to what is going on now? Yeah, man. I think. Um, yeah, I think. I think certainly you can look at certain laws and legislation and kind of deduce the fact that that there are laws designed historically and still. De- still today uh that that are served to keep minorities oppressed right um we are we are seeing gentrification in our area and and so we have all of these very expensive buildings that are coming up and we have the poor that are on that side and 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 the question is will these people that live in this area remain in this area and if they wanted to buy into one of these nicer buildings these nicer residential properties could they afford to do so um, and, and in many cases, they can't, right? Um, they're, they're being outpriced of their own neighborhood. Some who have been there for 50 and 60 years, they're being driven out. Um, and so, man, you, I mean, that, that's just one instance. There's so many that I can think of. But I think, man, when we talk about 
when we talk about oppression and legislation and things that are written, I think this is another space that Christians need to, to step into. I was talking to some of the brothers from our church, and one of the things I said is maybe we just don't need to find more, more, more deacons and elders or more people to serve on connections or serve in, in music ministry. Maybe we need to have ministry geared towards engagement in the political space of our city, uh, running for public offices, uh, being in the know, uh, the church connected to lawyers and, and people that are in places that can help bring about uh, really different legislation to benefit not just black people, but all people, right? With, with, with the, the, the searches for equity and fairness in our cities and communities. And so one of the things that we're starting with is just man having conversations uh, with people like the police chief and asking about police practices, asking about things like excessive force training, right? And just having those kinds of discussions so that we can see what is written, right? In your, in, in your training manual for police officers. And so I think ultimately we know uh, when, when, when you look at verse three and it says, uh, to whom will you flee for help, right? And where will you leave your wealth? Um, surely we know that God is gonna enact that complete justice in the end, that, that he's right to deal with vengeance because it belongs to him. But also, man, what are some things that the church can do to hold our cities, to hold our commissioners, to hold our mayors accountable so that there's fairness and equity in the cities in which we live? And I think we need to start on a local level, yeah. right? So we're, so we're not so overwhelmed that we don't know what to do next. We, we can start in our cities, right? So. Yeah. yeah, and I agree. I think I think it's discipleship. I think we only deal with we typically only deal with the ideology, the ideology with political ideology, with worldview ideology, and not with the thing. So not with the day to day. So what saddens me and my challenge would be to the church. You know, God forbid, the closest thing we had was Corey Jones in 2015, and yeah. I was part of that process. What made it different is it was led by the clergy coalition who got there before time and we knew who were locals and we knew who weren't because there are people who travel the country to places like this when they're when they're protests or rallies and they try to incite violence yeah. and riots. And so and and so part of the problem is I would say most of us we get so caught up in ideology that we don't know the people and they don't know us enough that if we stand up there from this church, they may not be Christian, but they respect you because they know what your church does for the community yeah. and for the city. And yeah. if you're in a black community, trust me, like if you as a church are a good neighbor, you will get respect and clout, even from non-Christians, even from Absolutely. dope boys. Absolutely. Our culture, I go into prison, man. And, and if they, once they perceive I'm a real brother, like I get the hardest core dude, dude to probably kill me if I was an inmate going to respect right. me to the highest if he right. think I'm legit, you know? Um, and so, and so I think we don't know these people. So we don't know these people out in the streets angry and we're getting mad. We don't know our officers. We get so caught up. Like, why are we talking about crime with the election of a president? Presidents don't put sentence right, people. Right, right. Presidents don't yeah. defend people. Know yeah. your local prosecutor. Know your defendants. And I have in the past, and thankfully, um, at our church, we got a guy like Ricky Aiken, who starts inner city innovators, who can do yeah. more of this now because we're known in the community, because we know the judges, and we could get the whole of a young man who's in the juvenile system or in some trouble and say, we're working with them. A lot of judges would lighten up the first sentences 
because it doesn't win for us as a country to have to incarcerate someone and pay the money and it doesn't win for the community. So I think, one, do we really know if, if a riot was close to breaking off as we as a church, why, why if I have 300 people in my church, I can't go in that community and have enough sway to at least get everyone to listen? Yeah. Do the officers, do, and so do the politicians, do the people know who we are. So I think we should be in that. We should be in politics, our members. I'm not, you know, uh, the black church is good at that. I don't know if I'd be a lead pastor and a politician, but but I do think there's uh, a room for that, and, and we have to think that way. Yeah, man. If I if I, if, if I could jump in, man, I just want to encourage the people watching. Um, see, it's like 38 people on here watching. I'm sure everyone watching are not pastors. Um, we got to start. We got to make movement, and it's not too late. So wherever you are, don't wait for your pastor to have all the ideas. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Go to him and share share these strategies. Go to her, share these strategies to help this 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 ship go forward, man. Um, I think we got to work together in this. And so, man, I would encourage you to, to ask, ask your pastor questions, um, offer suggestions, and then offer yourself as a part of the solution to the question that you're asking. I love it when people ask me questions and say, I didn't just come with a question, I got a solution. And, um, and just let's have the church get behind that, man. Um, the same yeah. way we're lobbying for laws in, 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 in cities need to be the same way we're lobbying in our churches for our leadership to get behind efforts like this. So it's not a one-man show out there trying to do everything on his own. You know, I yeah. think uh, the church has to turn their heart and their wallet, right, Yeah. To support efforts like this. I think that's important. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I know like that some things we do, we have a benevolence budget and we have a young lady who's an acquaintance in our church, not a member yet, but I know her and she's passionate about her inner city community. And she knows if she, she will bring people to us and she will bring ideas to me and we will fund it. Um, in churches where I've had a lot of resources, we say, Hey, we have this budget set aside and these are for grants. If you want to do something to bless your community, if you want to do something like you, you come with the idea and we will release the funds to you. Yeah. And you have, you, you find it, we'll say this, we want you, if you got an idea, find it, a prayer team to pray and fast with you. Find a team who's willing to serve it with you. Come to the church and we'll say, Here, here's $1,000 towards this. Here's $2,000 towards this. And, and, and do that. I mean, you should know the name of every person on your block if yeah. you're a good Christian. And they should have been invited to your home. I mean, you can't make them come, but hopefully you can invite them to your home. If you know someone you disagree with, know them and, and be willing to deal with this stuff. In youth ministry, I've dealt with stuff like, how do you deal with the fact when a kid starts coming in youth group and wants to accept Christ and he was adopted by a lesbian couple? Mm-hmm. You got to think about that. <laughs> you know, how do you navigate that? And they, they like, they like to see it was making their son a better kid. So obviously receive them. But if you're so uptight, you could cause yeah. that kid the missed gospel opportunity because he was adopted by a lesbian couple, you know? And so I think thinking through stuff like that, but anyway. Yeah. Well, you know, what comes in, into mind, I'm looking at, um, you know, Ecclesiastes chapter five, verse eight. Um, it tells us, you know, if you see oppression of the poor yeah. and perversion of justice and righteousness in the province, don't be astonished um, at the situation. Because one official protects another official and higher officials protect them. 
you know, (laughs) I mean, that passage right there speaks volume, man. You know, it's just, do you see oppression of the poor? Mm-hmm. I mean, if the church, look at this, man, if if we see oppression of the poor, what is the church going to do about it? You know, mm-hmm. and, and, and perversion of, of, of justice. Well, we guys thoughts about that um, passage in Ecclesiastes chapter five, verse eight. Yeah, I think, um, man, brother, I think we're trying to get the church to say something about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? You, it's, it's, it's hard to say what we're going to do if you won't even call it oppression. You won't even call it injustice. Yeah. You won't even call it sin, right? And so, man, I think I think that's the first thing. I think secondly, man, I've been on this whole Good Samaritan story, and the Good Samaritan sees this this guy in the road beaten, right? One of the things he doesn't ask is, all right, what am I gonna do? Right? He just moves into action. And I think too often we overthink what our next steps are. He saw that man bleeding on the road, moved into action. As he, as he got closer, he saw what the need was, looked at what he had in his pocket, asked, how can I help? How can I resource? How can I be an encouragement? You know, help this brother out, pulled out his bank account, covered the cost for him to stay. Like, I think we, we ask questions because we refuse to move. To move. Yeah. And we're never going to start moving if we don't speak. And so I think, man, the first thing is it starts with theology. Do we see, as we keep reading these passages, Evans, do we see injustice in, in the text and a clear call from our Savior to move towards injustice, right? I know, I know Matthew uh, 23 is coming up. But, man, I think, I, I think it starts there. And then as we move in those directions, I think the, 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 the road and the avenues we can take to be people of salt and light, they're endless, man. They're endless as we move towards it, so. Yeah, Pastor Ron, uh, Ronnie? Yeah, I think what he said, I think, amen to what he said, when we have to call it. And look, we're not one-sided with it, so don't think this is a black-white thing. Injustice anywhere, John Perkins, a mentor, inspiration, yes. civil rights advocate, um, in his 90s now, he said in the last years of his life, there are a few things he want to focus on. One is raising up leaders. But he said this, I, I, I want to reach poor white people. Because mm-hmm. poor black people at least get the benefit of black guilt. Poor white people, nobody like them. <laughs> you know? And, and, and so, and I've been to Appalachia. You know, what's so funny is what we call redneck culture and ghetto culture come from the same place. What's so funny is ghetto culture is modernized redneck culture that comes from even a distinct place in the, in the Scottish Highlands where it's that clan mentality, fight over dishonor, kind of loud. It's so funny, but um, that's what happens when you live in Tennessee and you've been going to church where they do the snake candle in that. It's scary. But but I think with calling things wrong, I think it's seen robustly. I think a lot of us see the wrong or certain wrongs, but we don't see it robustly. What I mean, I love my passion of my conservative evangelical brothers over abortion. I love it, but, but see the opportunity. So one impact on how you make a difference is voting. Okay, I respect that. I never tell no one how to vote. Um, I don't bind your conscience. But outside of voting, all right, when is the last time, how many teenage girls or boys you know? Because this is what I know we do at our church. We And, and I know Rodney has too. Now we systemize it with you moms. But before that, if I know a young girl who got pregnant 
Yeah. And I don't want her to get abortion. I'm just not going to say it's wrong. And I'm not just going to say you need to vote this right. way. I'm going to say we're going to take our resources at the church, financially help you. We're going to gather some godly women to, yeah. to, to help you learn how to parent and to disciple you in the gospel so that you can keep this baby. Because most people get abortions not because they get a high out of killing babies, but yeah. they don't know how to take care of the situation. Right. And so have a whole robust view of justice and mercy. He, he requires us to, to love mercy and to do justice. Yeah. Yeah. Love mercy, disposition of the heart, do justice. And so walk with that, care for them, love, love them. And that's a way you could be preventative of abortions too. And then proactively, there are a lot of kids in poor environments who are going to turn to sex for comfort that we're not evangelizing. You know what? You start evangelizing and siphoning them while they're young, then they don't get pregnant. You know, they don't get pregnant, they don't get abortions. You know, then they go to school and get a job and get support. Then you don't have to make them be welfare babies. And then you won't have to worry about all the political uh, arguments. I think a lot of times we resort to the political argument. I'm not saying it's not valid, but because we're lazy in the Great Commission. Now you're preaching, bro. And the Great Commission says not just teach people how to think politically, how to vote. It says teach them how to observe all that I have commanded you. Yes. Are we teaching people how to obey and follow Jesus not just how to vote politically. Because if we teach them how to obey and, 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 and follow Jesus, a lot of the political things we argue about wouldn't be as relevant. Yeah, yeah. And even yeah. in the church, a lot of us are not living sexually moral lives. Pastors addicted to porn. Leaders, yeah. if leaders ain't living right, how are you going to be bold to talk about a sexual ethic when half your leaders hoeing? I'm sorry. Yeah. Are you going in, brother? Oh, wait. Whoring, because that's biblical. Whoring. You see that? All right, anyway. Now you going in, I'm in the back chilling, bro. Just keep on going. I'm listening to you. Now you going in, man. And I, and, I believe, and I believe that, you know, the church, I think we have replaced uh, G-O-D with the G-O-V. I just put it like that. Um, uh, we, God, God, it's like the government. We have a lot of the government to t the, the, uh, direct the church on how to deal with justice when God teaches us actually biblically how to deal with justice. Yeah. So we're, it's like we have replaced God and we have replaced God for government, you know, and, and when we look at um, uh, Matthew 23 or 23, it says, woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Mm. It says for you tied men and deal and come, uh, coming and, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, what's your thoughts about that? And, you know, and we're going to, you know, pretty much uh, come to a conclusion fairly soon here. Yeah, I think it's, a um, man, I think it's humbling. Uh, I was with a group of guys that I'm discipling and we're doing work and feeding the poor and things like that. And, and, and we, we get to a passage like this and then we feel this, 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 this conviction. And for some, this condemnation, right? And I, I said to the brother, man, I don't think, listen, God doesn't want us to be condemned, but he does want us to respond to convicting, you know, the convicting of the Holy Spirit. Man, I think as we see something like this, it's, it's a text like this is, is made to rip us open and to break our hearts again for the disenfranchised. And so I think 
when we see this text, we need to be honest with ourselves on where we are. Yeah. And we need to create space to say, man, I suck in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I need to grow in that area. I'm inconsistent, right? My, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing what I should be doing. And then allow the grace that Christ has provided for you to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and take steps towards being salt and light. Um, man, our, our church is involved in, in doing stuff. We do you moms, like Ronnie said, we, we partner with urban youth, great organization, West Palm beach. Um, we, we, we do a lot, but man, I don't want to ever get to the point where I'm saying, okay, it's been checked off, right? Mm-hmm. Lord, break my heart again. What else are you calling me to? One of the things I'm thankful for, uh, as I look past the, look at the past, you know, two weeks or the past month. It's been God has been breaking my heart again to say, okay, Rodney, there are folks in prison um, and they're going there some unjustly. Rodney, what are you going to do? Right. What are you going to do about that? And man, I think it's a time to say, Lord, forgive me for my stubbornness, my slowness, how I was unengaged or apathetic. And God, give me grace to take those steps forward. None of us do this perfectly. Yeah. Um, so man, I just I just want to encourage you wherever you are, man. Let's take those steps forward and start moving in direction so that we can honor God not just in our proclamation, you know, but in our demonstration, right? Yeah. yeah. When, I mean, when we look at the criminal, um, you know, you know, uh, the, the 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 criminal justice system, and I've been in the prisons going for like I've been doing it for like seven years, and um, you know the injustice that's going on there, you right. know. And um, it's not only for on, on the blacks, right? But for all 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 races, yeah. black, white, Latinos, Haitians, and and whatnot. Right. right. You know, but um, so you know, it, think, is, it is sad. Yeah, it's sad. I think, and that's what we realize: we all fall, fall short of God's justice. Mm-hmm. And when we all fall short of His cry and concern, yeah. I mean, we don't come close to where God does. And when we take the position of judge, a lot of times, and it's all of us, is because we don't want to face our own. So as a black guy, I've had to repent from my heart disposition towards whites. And at times, I'm like, y'all complaining, y'all got it made. You know, I've had to repent. Um, and I have to take serious their concerns just as mine. Just because I'm black don't mean someone else's concerns aren't as legitimate as mine, Absolutely. you know? And so I think it's having a place of brokenness and be willing to listen. I mean... When you talk about non-Christian world, of course they're going to be annoying, but you got to listen to them. These people are right. I'm not justifying it, but nobody will listen to them. I bet they never had a conversation with a Christian just listening to them without trying to correct them. We don't show no empathy. It's all about we're programmed because we get so fret. And what's so funny, rights com- complain about leftists a lot, and I'm guilty of it too, complaining about it. But in their complaining about leftists, they just complain just as much as the leftists. But to sit and listen, sometimes you just got to sit and listen to these people. I go to the prison, man, some of these guys, I know they speaking bull jive, but I'm listening because they try, they in the moment trying to hustle me, I know it, but I try to listen and empathize, show compassion. And I think it's, it, I'm amazed even at myself how, how quickly I could dismiss my compassion. I mean, how quickly, you know, two weeks from now, like we'll move on to the next one. Yeah. You know, um, you know, and 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 it's just sad. You know, it's kind of like the COVID thing. No one took it serious until it, it hit someone they knew. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and I think, um, and, and so, yeah, I think we got to just have more tender, repentant hearts and merciful hearts. I could be in jail. I very well could have been, Absolutely. you know, uh, 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 a guy who fathered a, a child in his teenage Absolutely. years. Absolutely. I very well could have been the guy pressuring the girl to get an abortion. Yeah. You, know, you know, I very well could have been not only George Floyd, I could have been the officer that choked me. I could have been one of the officers that sat there and did nothing. Right. But I'll argue with you all day about politics, hmm. yeah. about theology. And so I see that in myself I, and, and, and say, like, I'll, I just think to myself, would I have stopped him, that officer, if I was there? Would I have been willing to take that risk? Would I have been able to keep my cool if I was an observer there and not, you know? And so I think just being more brokenhearted and realize, man, sin is real. Everyone is oppressed by sin and the devil in the very least. And like, we need to give grace to one another, not more judgment in the body of Christ. Um, everybody's aware of their, uh, to some degree of their brokenness. Yeah. But we need to be able to free people to allow themselves to come under the conviction of the word of God healthily with a godly sorrow, yeah. not a worldly sorrow. And so, especially to my white brothers and sisters, I would say, don't go into being beat up with a worldly sorrow. Don't go into white right. guilt. But allow the gospel to do that work in you and filter you because it should be a godly sorrow. It says it works repentance, which works salvation. And he evidences godly sorrow because he said, what zeal you show, this is 2 Corinthians 7, to, to clear yourself, meaning they wanted to change the way they live. They wanted to make right with the brother and sister they were in conflict with. And, and, and that's all we can do. We know even our work as a church won't bring about perfect justice this side of heaven. But as I learn to trust in God, as I am confident in who God has made me to be in my identity and that he will defend and fight for me and he will give good to me, it can free myself that I'm willing to deny my rights. I'm willing to deny my privilege. And we all have privilege. You know, I'm not talking about the white privilege argument i got privilege. i had two parents yeah i got cousins same last name grew up in the same community wow. because i had two parents and my parents weren't on drugs with the same age his dad used drugs his dad was convicted felon couldn't work a good job his dad made him sell drugs because the bills had to be paid he got a criminal record that's the only real big difference between where we are now, both in our 30s and where I am and where he is. Wow, that's powerful, man. You know, and so anyway. I mean, when, when, when we look at, uh, you know, Christian justice, I think Christian justice is about restoring wholeness yeah. mm-hmm. and um, to the souls of both victim and offenders. And the mm-hmm. goal is restoring both to abundant life in the community. Yeah. And, and um, you know, when we look at this, um, let's face it, guys. I mean, we, we got a lot of social problems, <laughs> you know got a lot of social problems and uh, um one thing i i think is is that uh, i mean i must say it like this I, I don't think we all need to be uh we all need to be sign carrying protesters shouting for justice but um the challenge for us is to listen to the still and small voice of god in our hearts um who, who's not shouting justice but instead is whispering were you fair to your brother yeah. Were you fair to your 
uh, to your hurt sister's when you hurt your sister's feelings. Um, and and, and that subtle uh, that subtle voice is nudging us, man, of the Holy Spirit reminding us that there will be no peace until you make it right. You know, and 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 when we talk about the kneeling and everything like that, Pastor um, Ronnie talked about that. For me, man, um, be honest. You know, kneeling is not a solution. You know, I don't need the white, you know, people to be kneeling in front of me. I um and and I you know the kneeling is not going to stop the injustice in the world. Um, you mentioned it, Pastor Rodney. You got the Democrats, Republicans who are kneeling and wearing the African, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, shawl, or whatever, and stuff like that, kneeling and, and so on like that. But what we need to do, we need to be kneeling uh, before God to repent of our sins as mm-hmm. black brothers, as white sisters, because of the injustice that's in this world. Amen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, you know, if if we want to defend justice. We got to love people and change society and, and, and then stand in, in our pulpit and open the word of God and faithfully preach Christ crucified. And can I add one thing, man? Yeah. I don't want to pontificate, but, but in order for us to be, a, I think one thing is we're not as, there's been a debate and, you know, you call it neo-Kyperianism where it's just focus on now that jobs matter, that all of life is holy you know, that, that we should care about the here and now too. And I think that is good and true. But one thing we can learn from history, from the black church, from the Jewish experience too, is that in order to live faithfully now, you got to have the eternal perspective. Dr. King said, I may not get there with you, but we as a people will get to the promised land. And we have to realize that the justice we strive for is not just an illusion. It's not just a matrix, but it's a tangible, real, expected, outcome that will happen one day though not in this life yeah and so we don't lose hope because every tear we shed in this life won't be wasted every effort we make in this life won't be wasted and so we have to have that heavenly perspective you notice how dr king and the civil rights leader talked about heaven a lot and sometimes we bash it but you need that with that kyperianism of focus on now to live healthily a shameful book club one of my professors and he shouted me out in the book, Michael Allen, a theology professor at RTS, wrote this book called Grounded in Heaven that looks at that um, dynamic. And so we need eternal perspective because this side of heaven, we'll never get justice. One, because if we did, we'd be gone too. Exactly. But, um, so, yeah. Uh, Pastor Rodney. Yeah. Last just words. Kind of, yeah, just kind of add on to what you got to say, brother. Yeah. closing thought for me would be um, just a call to to unity i think one of the one of the travesties of the church is we we shoot our own Mm. you know we um we do damage to our own we throw rocks from right sides and left sides and red sides and blue sides and i am to a place i'll be 40 in november telling my age on facebook live i'll be 40 you look good though bro i'm officially an old head man and i don't know what it's about this time around but to be perfectly honest i can care less what folk think um people have been talking about what this person is saying this on social media i can honestly care less one of the things i know if you name the name of christ we'll fix it in eternity Hmm. but I'm working on the wall and I can't come down 
And not only am I working on this wall, I'm working on this wall, and I don't have time to throw rocks at you. Come on, brother. Because I'm too focused on doing what God's called me to be. So I'm going to be who he called me to be. Whatever this category of multi-ethnic, missional, concern about justice, whatever this mortgage board of Rodney uh, that God's called Rodney to be, I'm going to be that. And so, man, as we work and run in different lanes, some are conservative, some are less conservative, reform, Pentecostal, charismatic, man, what have you, missionary Baptist, what, I'm not going to name them all, but what, what, wherever you are, wherever you find yourself, man, let's, let's run for the glory of God and let's turn our aim and our guns at the enemy and not on each other. Yeah. And so, man, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are pure, what a good report, man. Let's let's think on these things about each other. And so, man, my my last words: so let's let's walk in love. Um, let's walk together. You know, if we got to call out sin, let's call it out. I'm yeah, not yeah. saying have the hard conversation, but I am saying, man, it's that's your brother that you're gonna spend eternity with. And so, um, yeah, let's. let's yeah, let's, I mean, for me, I would say, you know. Um, <laughs> Man, we need to start putting our necks on each other, yeah, and start putting the, our our um, putting our knees on each other, and start putting our knees on the enemy, yeah, which is the devil, which is Satan himself, who is causing division amongst all of us, amongst the church, and causing injustice um, throughout this whole world. That's who we need to put our neck, our our knees um, into, is the devil himself. And um, man, I'm telling you, man, we as a church. Uh, if we want true justice, we need to stop replace. We need to get rid of the. We need to uh, stop, um, you know, replacing God over. Uh, we need to stop replacing God um, over the government because it seems like the government has more power um, over God. And I believe that, like we all agree, is that we know we all agree that God brings true justice in a world that is uh, full of full of sin. And, um, and we know, uh, we, we shout no justice, no peace, um, which is, which is true. Um, but we know, uh, true justice come from the Lord, our, our Jesus Christ. Pastor Ronnie, you want to close out? I mean, I think, yeah, we all got to just examine ourselves and look to the cross. And I think you got to remember, I will always choose winning a brother or sister over winning an argument. Mm -hmm. And, 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 when we work together, it's just an easier load, man. It just multiplies. So I think to just echo what both of y'all said, you know, let's let's believe in the church half as much as we believe in government or hope in government, yeah. and um and and let's be committed to these, these whether we like it or not. God decided to make us family by His uh, regenerating us, and so whether you like it or not, it's family. I fight with my cousins. I fight with them all day, but somebody else try to fight when they got to deal with me. <laughs> and so, and so, you know, um, but, but, but we, we are family. And if God, what God has put together, like we say in marriage, also in the church, and I know we don't know fully who's who, but God has put together, let no man tear asunder. And that speaks not just for marriage, but also for our spiritual brotherhood and those who are truly the elect of God. So yeah. I'll leave it there. Amen. And man. we got work to do. We're going to be examined yeah. by what we work. Remember the parables of talent. Like, literally, when we are judged, God will judge the thoughts and intents of the heart. Don't get me wrong, but he's going to judge what we, what do you do with those talents? 
and you can have the greatest thought theology and ever, but if you don't do nothing with that talent that caused that theology to bear fruit, to cause that prayer to have legs on it, you know, you're going to be judged accordingly. So remember that. And that's for all of us. Amen, brother. I mean, I mean, listen, man, brothers, man, um, I pray that we have, for those of you who are watching, pray that, you know, um, you're looking at us three um, brothers. Um, we're passionate about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, we thank you guys for getting on with us. And um, and when um, prior to this, you know, we were getting a lot of uh, heat. <laughs> we were like, you know, no justice, no peace, no justice, no peace. Are you going to be talking about the Black Life Movement and all this stuff? Nah, bro. No time. Talking about the gospel of <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, all power to the people. We all got on black shirts. Yeah, yeah exactly. But yeah, man. Um, but we're all about the gospel of Jesus Christ and um, uh, thankful for the uh, um, the conversation that we had together. And, um, you know, thank you guys for getting online. Um, for those of you who are watching, we appreciate you guys. And we hope that, you know, you go in your community and try to have an impact um, and, and, and don't go blindly, but go with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And, um, and like Pastor Rodney, sa uh, Rodney says that, man, do what God has called you to do. Um, and, and don't hold back. Just do what God has called you to do. We all have a mission. Um, the Great Commission is that we do need to make disciples. We need more disciples, not only inside the church, but we need more disciples out in the streets um, and making more disciples. So um, uh, we want justice. Justice will be served. It won't be served through the government. It won't be served through the president of the United States, but justice will be served through the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And soon and very soon, he's going to return. We're, 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 we're one day closer to heaven, brothers. And I can't wait Amen. for that day. And um, I'm just going to ask Pastor Rodney to close us out in prayer. Yeah. Father, we thank you for that reality um, that one day, Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord, we thank you for that truth. And it is that truth that motivates our work here. We are on a winning team. The fight is already fixed. And so we can work with Jesus' joy, uh, knowing that in the end, you triumph. And so, Father, I pray that we would be moved and stirred with compassion. I pray that we would... God, encourage one another as we work. Father, I pray that we would call out injustice, that we would speak the truth in love, that we will continue to have hard conversations, that you've called us to, to love each other. And sometimes in loving each other, it means saying the hard thing. Father, I pray that you would give us courage and strength and endurance. Give us vision to see. Give us hands that, that have strength to endure to the end. This call is going to take our lives it's, it's generational, as Pastor Rani said. So, God, would you give us your strength, not just to do work, but to do work in a way that passes it on well to the next generation. Help us to lift up the person that's running alongside us and the person that will ultimately replace us. And so, Father, we thank you for goodness and grace and all that you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Man, thank Amen. you. Hey, thank you, brothers. And it was an honor. Yes, definitely. Uh, honor. Um, and um, this will be available on, on YouTube and also, um, of course, on Facebook. I uh, appreciate you guys. If you guys have any questions whatsoever, um, just reach out to us. You know, um, 
Um, and um, we're glad to answer your questions on Facebook, whatever, and stuff like that or and whatnot. But um, we appreciate you guys for gaming on. And I appreciate y'all brothers, man. Um, appreciate y'all, man. All right. Love y'all, man. Love Be you guys. Good. Thank you. Love you. Take All care. Right.